Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Thrive, a self-help interview style podcast designed to attack you at the level of your identity so you can reach your desired outcome. We get answers from top leaders, fathers, mothers, coaches, preachers, and teachers in all walks of life and the actions they took to take practical knowledge and turn it into applicable wisdom. Today, we have Todd Larson with us. Todd is a private financial advisor for Ameriprise and works in Fort Wayne, Indiana for Larson Reynolds and Associates um, and is also a certified kingdom advisor. Um, Really glad you're here with us today, Todd. Oh, it's good to be here. Anything else I should know about you or the listeners should know about you? Um, I noticed um, I felt pretty special and honored because there was about seven certified things next to your name. So I was like, man, this guy is is smart and full of wisdom. So I was uh, really, really looking forward to to interviewing you and getting all your wisdom. Either that or intensely insecure. One two. <laughs> uh, uh, I think the only other thing is I'm uh, uh, married to my wife for 23 years and we have five amazing kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to get right into it. Question number one, what is the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned? A good question. Um, when I went to Purdue University, most of the topics and books that we read were on management. And somewhere about 10, 15 years ago, the conversation switched to leadership. And so let's define the two. I would say leadership is knowing where to go and management is knowing how to get there. Often in the 90s, when I went to college, people would talk about management, but they were also talking about leadership. And today, people are talking about leadership, but they're also talking about management. I think we could separate the two into two distinct disciplines. So I think that's one of the things I've learned about leadership. Uh, Some other things I've learned is that real leadership is servant leadership, that the two are synonymous. If you're going to be a really good leader, you need to become a servant leader which means it's not about you. Uh, You're going to die to yourself. There's a certain amount of loneliness in being a leader because you're on an island all by yourself. And there's times when people get angry at you. They don't understand all the details and what goes into the decisions you're making. And all those things make leadership at times difficult. My dad gave me a card years ago, and and I've always remembered what it said. It's probably the only card that I can remember what it said. It said, lead, follow, or get the heck out of the way. And so I purposely at times will lead. At times I will follow. And then there's other times I'll just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And following is a decision, even when I don't think the person's leadership skills are greater than my own. It's purposely deciding to say, I will submit and I will follow. And I will not give an uh, a nanosecond of my time to thinking about how I would lead differently. Because when you do that, you just become subversive. Mm-hmm. That's really so good. if That's you really can good. make the decision to follow and then not second guess, not uh, think about that. If you do that, it keeps you from gossiping. It keeps you safe and it keeps you happy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the whole point of the podcast is to get, like I said, in the intro, the father's mother. So, I cover from the preacher's standpoint, from the pastors, from the coach's standpoint to um, the sports that people might play. So from a financial standpoint, how have you implemented that, all those leadership lessons into your financial practice? Well, I think it's, it's 
with clients knowing how to lead and guide them. It's with my team. I'm the past president of the Christian Franchise Advisor Network at Ameriprise. There's about 1,100 members. I've been on various boards around uh, our community and nationally. In all of those, I have to continually make the decision, am I going to leave, follow, or get the heck out of the way? Uh, I was asked to be on a board and apply for a board last year, I think it was. And I told them right off the bat, by the way, don't interview me for the board. Interview me if you want me to be the future uh, president of the board. And they, they laughed and they said, why? And I said, well, I've never joined an organization where I didn't end up president of the board. Mm-hmm. So if you want me on your board, just know that someday I'll be president. And if you don't want me as president, don't have me on your board. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just some some natural and then also hone leadership skills that, that I have. And then I, I lead several different businesses, not just our financial planning practice, but have ownership and leadership in several other businesses. That's really good. So question number two, what books have you read that every leader should read? I make it a practice to read at least a book a week. So narrowing it down, just just one is difficult. I'd say the primary book I tell people to read is the Bible. Whether or not you're a Christian, the leadership lessons that you can find in reading the Bible on what to do and what not to do are fantastic. And you can start in Genesis and there's leaders from Abraham and Joseph. You read Exodus, you can read about Moses and his leadership skills and leadership failures as well as Aaron's, and then you can skip on to the Kings. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of information about in first and second Kings, different leaders and what they did well and what they didn't do well and what a humble leader looks like and what a, a failed leader looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I jump forward to Matthew, Mark, and John and look at how Jesus led, whether or not you see him as the Messiah or whether or not you see him as just a, a really solid historical figure, the leadership lessons that we can learn from him are absolutely outstanding. Uh, a book that I've read recently that a friend of mine recommended that I've bought multiple copies of and I pass out is Strategic Doing. It's written by some professors at Purdue University. And uh, it's probably one of the best books I've ever seen as far as just executing on leadership. So it's understanding where to go and coming up with the ideas of where to take the organization. And then the next step is how to execute that. So mm-hmm. it's a leadership management book combined called Strategic Doing by Morrison, Hutchinson, uh, Nyson, and Faden. That's really good. That's the whole point of the podcast, I think, for me, is I asked my dad, why is a self-help industry a $13 billion industry? And it's because it's the difference in the gap between wisdom and knowledge and knowing all these self-help books give you the knowledge on what to do, but then the wisdom is acting on it. So that's really good. I don't have to put that on my list um, to read in the future. Number three, what are you learning right now? Uh, I'm reading a book by Alex Ferguson, who is uh, the lead coach and sort of made Manchester United, Manchester United. Um, I bought the book for my kids' soccer coaches because a friend of mine who's a former pro soccer player said it's the best book on leadership and coaching that he's ever read regarding soccer. And I'm finding that it's it's just a fantastic book on leading as well. Uh, so that's a, a, a book that I'm in the middle of reading. Um, there's also a book that is about Bill Walsh that I read last year uh, about his leadership style. And so I, I think there's, 
times when we can learn from leaders in different disciplines and figure out how to apply that to our own. Mm-hmm. Number four, how has failure impacted your life and leadership? Well, a friend of mine always says you're either winning or you're, or you're learning. Um, being how to fail, that's never a good thing. But my friend Andy always says that. And so I'd say that leadership failures, when given proper perspective and feedback, and when you take the ownership, so it's not enough to fail. You have to fail and then own that and then get feedback and find out how do I not fail again? And so I don't think it's enough just to fail. There's a lot of people that are failures that uh, just keep on failing. And so what we want to do is learn from the mistake and then decide how we do it differently in the future and go to the people that are around you that will speak honestly to you and say, what do I need to do differently so I don't fail again? That's really good. Number five, what have you done that I should do? Uh, I think I've worked really hard in my career and I've balanced that. Uh, and in my career, I've tried to work for God and not for me. So I have a higher purpose. Um, I would recommend that you find a career and you stick with a career. Most people look for a career to love, but I would suggest that love comes after you become an expert in it. You work really hard in it. I think hate can come right away. You can decide whether or not you hate that, that career. Uh, and the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about the idea of 10,000 hours. You have to do something 10,000 hours with purposeful practice, and you're getting feedback along the way and improving. And if you do that, you become a master of something. And so what I would say that I've done that you haven't done would be built something because of long, hard hours and work and put a lot of sacrifice and effort into it. And it's, it's not that I'm any different or better. It's just that I'm older mm-hmm. and I've made that choice to do that. And so at 48, I can look back and say, this is what I've done that, that you have the opportunity and young people have the opportunity to do. That's really good. And, and one of the dangers is I see this sometimes is people jump from career to career, job to job. I did that early on. I did that in my teens. But if you do that, when it ends up happening is you're not around long enough to just see how your decisions or mistakes impact things. The, the biggest mistake we've ever made in our practice was a mistake that we discovered five or six years after it was made. Mm-hmm. And the person, the team member that made it was still around. And so they knew the mistake they made and they knew the impact that it was having on the organization, the potential cost. Uh, and if you, if you move place to place to place, it's easy to think, Hey, I don't make mistakes and overrate your own abilities because we all blow it sometimes. So that's, I think that's a God moment because I'm actually in quarantine right now before I go back um, to finish out the basketball year. So I have one semester left. So I'm thinking about what I want to do, got multiple opportunities. And so I'm actually reading a book called Range, which I think speaks to the opposite of outliers, which is saying how generalists triumph in a specialized world. So I'm trying to read the two different worldviews because I've read outliers really good 10,000 hours. So I think that's cool that you brought that up. So how, for me, when I have different opportunities, how do I know that this is the right path for me? Instead of bouncing around, how do I know that, like I have an opportunity to be a plumber and use my business background to start 
and excel in the plumbing business, but how do I not take another opportunity and bounce around like you did earlier in your career? What would you be your advice for that? Well, and I bounced around. I just did it in my teens when I was just learning how to work. And so sometimes mm -hmm. people wait until after college to start their career and they may bounce around for a period of time. They're just going to do it in their twenties. Mm -hmm. By the time I hit my twenties, I was, uh, I'd done that. I'd worked for good and bad bosses. There's three things that energize people. There's manual labor and putting your hands to something. There's being with people, people energize people. So doing something physical can energize. Meeting with people can energize and ideas can energize. And so figuring out what brings you energy and how have you been gifted and what is your natural bent? The other thing is I would go find some people that you want to become like and go work with them and say, would you mentor me? Could I apprentice under you? I, I want to become more like you. Um, and then I really like the idea of how people came to the US originally that didn't have money. They would spend seven years working for someone, mm -hmm. working off their debt to travel, and along the way building their their identity and their their um, who they're going to be, their work ethic, all of that. Uh, the system had some intense flaws, but the idea of seven years, I'm going to spend the next seven years of paying down student debts. I'm going to spend the next seven years of building my career, of becoming who I want to become more like. And I, I think those are the wise things. Uh, as far as the generalist, I, I would suggest that there, there's a balance there. That of course, you have to be a generalist, mm -hmm. uh, but you've got to find some things to focus on in your career to, um, if you want to be an outlier, extreme people end up in extreme situations. Mm -hmm. That's really good. That's exactly what I needed to hear and all. Definitely have to go rewatch this and write that down. So that's really good. Number six, where have you gone that I should go? Uh, the most amazing place I've ever gone was the Taj Mahal. I took my wife and five kids and my niece there last year. Um, if you're not married, go to the altar. Uh, after you've go to the altar, uh, go to the, the birthing room, have kids. Mm -hmm. um, where should you go? You should go to a neighbor in need. You, you should go figure out how to build your community and build out your city. I think that God has a plan for people, and it's to learn a craft, to find a spouse, to have kids, and then to better their city. That You can actually find that that's what God's plan is for people. If you change the order of that or you leave out the order of any of that, so if you leave out any of those elements, so build your career, get married, have kids, improve your community. If you leave out any of those elements, your life will be incomplete. And if you change the order of the elements, uh, the road to success will be much more difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying success, just measuring it monetarily, by the way, I'm just saying success in life, success with your kids, with your spouse, you have kids before you get married, it becomes more difficult. Mm -hmm. you, you get married and have kids, then you build your career, it's more difficult. Uh, you never improve your community in the city with which you live. It's, it's more difficult. And that was what God's plan was for his nation when they were living in a foreign land. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the plan that he outlined for them. That's, that's funny. That's, that's another uh, coincidence because I just finished a book <clears throat> called The Second Mountain by David Brooks where he talks about 
how people climb the first mountain, the second mountain is realizing that you have to serve people. And there's four commitments we have to commit to, which is our vocation, our marriage, our philosophy and or faith, and then our community. So that's just funny how you're, you're, you're all wrapping it up for me. So that's awesome. Number seven, what are three truths that appear evident in your life? Hopefully if people uh, knew me, they would say these things that first off, it isn't about me that I'm trying to live a life that's it can best be described as service of others and love of others. So it's it's not about me. It's, we should make our, our decisions ahead of the time that they need to be made. If mm-hmm. we live by pre-made decisions, we're never unsure of what to do in the moment. And what I mean by that is, if you make the decision to always do the right thing, if you make the decision to pick up trash, if you make the decision to help people at an accident, if you make the decision to always buy a used car after you negotiate it well, if you make the decision that you're always going to save systematically as long as you're working, if you make these decisions ahead of time, in the moment, your emotions will not override them and you can have strength of character and direction. So it isn't about you. Pre-made decisions and hard work really matters. Hard work at being a good friend being uh, a good leader, a good manager, a good father, a good spouse, uh, a good member of your faith community. We've got to work at things and and be diligent. Um, One of the the most beneficial things we can do is get rid of the rectangles in our life that glow. Mm -hmm. So much of our time is spent in front of glowing rectangles. If we spend more time with people, more time in books, more time in service, more time in relationships, uh, all those things can have uh, larger impacts than than glowing rectangles. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Number eight, if there is one piece of advice you can give my generation, what would it be? Well, I don't know if I know your generation and understand your generation well enough. And I, and I would say is that generations tend to mimic their grandparents' generation and not their parents' generation. So what I hope that people would know in general would be that they should get to know Jesus. Uh, they should work hard and build a noble career that brings value to mankind. They should find one personal love and save their virginity for that one person. Um, that's the greatest gift you can give someone on your wedding night. Have lots of kids. Kids are an investment, not a liability. Having kids is hard. Um, one kid is hard because you're double teaming. Two kids is hard because you got to play man to man. Three kids, it's difficult because you go to a zone. After three kids, it really doesn't matter how many kids you have. Just get a bigger vehicle. Uh, you know, one of the things I regret is we only have five kids. I wish we had six or seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've kind of gotten to the age where having lots more kids maybe isn't an option. Die to self, find ways to serve others and put others first. Um, pursue friendships. That's a difficult thing to do. And uh, with the age of social media and texting, we're losing so much by not just sitting down face to face and looking at each other in the eye, we're recording this during the the pandemic of COVID and it's 
it's it's causing havoc on relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's two more things that I would suggest is be quick to forgive and be generous. There are two sides of the same coin. When you forgive someone, you're actually releasing a debt that they have to you. They've wronged you and you've decided to release them out of it. And forgiveness is the same thing. You own something and you're releasing it to someone else. Both of those go hand to hand. If you show me someone that's generous, they're going to be quick to forgive too. They're not going to walk around with grudges. And usually people that are quick to forgive are generous as well. They're not holding on to things that could benefit other people more. And they understand the joy in being a giving person. And so uh, if you pre-make the decision to look for ways to be generous, and then if you pre-make the decision to be quick to forgive, whether or not you've reconciled or not, you releasing people from the debt that they have against you uh, will will lead to more joy in your own life. That's really good. I appreciate the advice. So that was the end of the eight questions. So we're going into lightning round. Um, just off the top I of your head. One question. Uh, I, I get, let me ask you a question. You asked me a question. So what advice do you give to my generation? Hmm. What advice would I give to your generations, which would be my parents' generations? So I'm 48. I don't know how old your parents are. My dad's 47. All right. So, uh, yes, I'm your uncle. Give me some <laughs> I would say, um, listen to understand, not to reply. I would guess because I mean our generation. Um, I would say definitely addicted to video games, addicted to phone. In our house, it's it's a constant, constant conversation and struggle of understanding the balance. Um, but I know a lot of parents of other kids on our sports teams, um, the kids that I would train, um, a lot of kids having anxiety from their parents because of the pressure that they have. So I would say being able to when we speak to our parents to listen not to respond but to understand what i guess we're going through and um, understanding it's a different generation you guys weren't raised with addicted to video games and the type of video games and um, social media and all that stuff so kind of learning together and then understanding what we're going through and figuring out a way to relate to us to then help us i guess would be my answer yeah. Yeah. So lightning round, if you could put a quote on a billboard for everyone to read, what would it say? Um, I got this quote on my wall. Let me read it. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. That's good. That's good. If you could go back and give your 20-year-old self one word to focus on, what would it be? Love. Why would it be love? Uh, I think I probably focused on drive and humor and enjoyment. Um, probably focused on lots of things. But I think love uh, and, and encourage myself to focus more on loving people and loving God and, and loving life. Um, so I think that's what I would tell myself. It's a great word. And the last one for lightning round, the podcast is called thrive so what one daily action helps you thrive in your life uh for me as a christian i actually will not put my feet on the floor of my room until i've opened the word and so i wake up and the first thing i do is i read the bible 
uh, I find that if I don't read the Bible every day, it's not about um, trying to earn some favor from God by reading the Bible. I find that it grinds, it grounds me in my thought process. And so every day I, I read uh, the Bible. I also, when I come home from work and I walk in the door, and even when I walk into work, um, the mentality that I want to have is how can I serve this person? Whoever it is that I come across, how can I serve them? What do they need for me today? And how can I serve them and, and make their life better? Mm-hmm. That's Dr. Rush. Uh, had BBB, which was the Bible before breakfast. So you took it a f- uh, step further and wouldn't even get out of bed. So that's that's really good. Yeah. And then so that ends lightning round. The last question I have, um, is there someone else you know that I should know or someone that I'd benefit from asking these questions to? Yeah, I've got a couple guys that I'll recommend to you and I'll, I'll uh, introduce you. Awesome. And then... The last statement I have, I know with all your credentials and your achievements and resources, um, it may not mean a lot, but I just want to extend um, the hand. But if I can add value to your life at any point, don't hesitate to call or reach out. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Hey, good talking to you. You as well. Have a wonderful day. You too.